Hey, hey, welcome to episode 82 of the Authors Read podcast. I'm your host, Leah Ryan. Today's guest is Matthew Mosley, and he'll read from his book, Ignition, Superior Communication Strategies for Making Stronger Connections. I'm Matthew Mosley, and this is Ignition, Superior Communication Strategies for Creating Stronger Connections. Spark. To understand the place of communication in human society, let's start at the beginning. You could say that the whole story of humanity is wrapped up in the evolution of how we communicate. From wordless grunts to hieroglyphics, the first phonetic alphabets to today's ebooks, humans have developed remarkable inventions for a single purpose the transmission of ideas. In the quest to more perfectly share an idea or a thought with others, our methods of communication change, and with it, so too does society. When we interact with others, we are attempting to establish a visceral connection. When we engage with someone intellectually, emotionally, or physically, we create a spark, a bond, something more precious than gold. When we communicate, whether it's speaking or writing, we do our best in choosing among all possible words and expressions and gestures to pick those that most accurately match our intent, the ones that capture the exact message we're trying to send with a special care given to how that message will be received. Unfortunately, perfect matches rarely happen. In particular, quantum physics which essentially studies the relationship between energy and particles, may have a special relevance to the mechanics of our world and how we relate to each other. Whether it's having a conversation with your mother, waging a hard-fought political campaign, or placing a to-go order, our interactions do not take place in a vacuum. They have significance that ripples through space and time. Somewhere in this esoteric equation of quantum physics, there may be an explanation for the unseen yet inevitable consequences of our communications. Think of all the millions of words in all the languages of the world. Now think of the infinite combinations and permutations among them. Consider the countless ways that utterances can be modified by tone, facial expression, pitch, and volume. It's on a scale of the infinite combinations of notes and expressions of various arrangements of musical instruments. Let us think then of each component of an expression as a unit, similar to a molecule or a living cell. The behavior of these units, when combined, can be pat and predictable, perhaps like the valedictorian speech of a high school graduation. But these expressions can also be strange mysterious, and even mystical. Controlling your environment. Five years before his death, I worked closely with the late gonzo journalist Hunter S. Thompson. Our time together was full of unforgettable memories, but one moment stands out above the rest. Late one night, as we sat in his kitchen outside of Aspen, Colorado, he took a drag on a Dunhill cigarette in his signature filter, and out of the blue asked me, 
Uh, do you know what the definition of the word politics is? I had worked in politics and government for many years, but that night I stumbled on this most basic question. Overwhelmed by the Herculean labor of cramming so much into one quaint phrase, I just rattled off a list of buzzwords. Voting, government, campaigns, civics, civil society? Nope, not according to Dr. Thompson. All wrong. He drew on his cigarette and exhaled slowly. With other authority, he said, politics is the art of controlling your environment. Hunter explained that the candidates and organizations who thrive and win are those who tell better stories and control the message. What makes the best story? A good question. We'll get to that in part two. They draw the media to their events and their press conferences. He meant framing the tone of the debate and exchange. He explained that controlling your environment means being proactive in setting the agenda, doing things to make others respond to you rather than vice versa. People and organizations who are on the offensive are defining themselves rather than having others define them, or perhaps worst of all, settling for no definition whatsoever. This is as true today as it was when Hunter said it, and whenever the same basic point was made before him. Especially in the fast lane of today's digital era, those who control the narrative and tell a better story carry the day. That night, Hunter looked at me, took a sip of Chevis, and emphasized the philosophy behind controlling your environment. When you're explaining, you're losing. If you have to explain yourself or your organization and answer questions about what you should have done, if you have to respond to an accusation, then you're already on the defensive. If, Hunter conjectured, Richard Nixon had alleged that his possible Democratic opponent, President Lyndon B. Johnson, had an affair with a young woman, maybe it happened, maybe it didn't, but either way, Johnson would have to respond. It's important to take control whenever we can. And consider a second for all the elements under our control. We can turn the thermostat up or down. We can train to run marathons and dream up long-distance swims. At least, in most free and democratic societies, we can choose our partner. We can tell our boss to take this job and shove it and publish our ideas. In general, we get to choose what we put in our bodies. We can pick a margarita or a glass of wine. We can decide what kind of music to listen to, what we read, where we go, and with whom. Even children, who enjoy far, far less freedom than do adults, still have plenty of leeway. As observed by Anne Frank, who managed to do something extraordinarily while trapped in circumstances beyond her control, said, quote, parents can only give good advice or put them on the right path, but the final forming of a person's character lies in their own hands. 
Hunter S. Thompson wasn't the first to articulate the concept of being proactive. In business, there is a term called first mover advantage, which refers to the upper hand a company gains in launching its products first, dominating a particular segment of the market, and establishing brand recognition and customer loyalty before competition arises. Generally, the first mover in communications has more opportunities to set the terms of the debate, define the terminology and language, and frame the issue. Yes, there are risks, sometimes massive, career-ending risks, by getting out there first. The first mover is opened up to scrutiny, criticism, and the position for others to attack. But those attacks are usually on your terms and using your language. Those attacks are reactions. Consider, as an example, Tesla, the leader in the electric vehicle industry, setting parameters that traditional car makers and the old internal combustion engine, like Ford, GM, and Chrysler, must now take into account if they are to catch up. While the concept is most commonly used in the context of technology products, it reinforces Hunter's maxim. You need to make others react to you. I'd like to thank Matthew for sharing his book with us today. And thank you for listening to the Authors Read podcast. Be sure to check out the show notes for the link to the book. If you'd like to support the Authors Read podcast, please like, subscribe, or share. Until next time.